Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, everybody, it's Pete Mitchell. And it's Peyton Jones. Here with yet another edition of the Church Planner Podcast, and uh, we've already decided we're not going to say it in Spanish anymore, so it's just Church Planner Podcast number 13. Yeah, but I can actually uh, say two things in French. What? I can Well, I can say, que la force soit avec toi, which is, may the force be with you, <laughs> and <laughs> je fais femme du fromage, which is, I hunger for cheese. Uh Okay. Both, both of which can be true at the same time. I can also say such random things as "didi mao ba a," which is "get away from, from me, you cow" in Vietnamese. "An uh, bagem," which is "I'm going to shoot you with a gun," and "an yu nan om," which is uh, although forgive my bad pronunciation, uh, it is uh, "honey, do you love me?" And by the way, "once" is eleven in Spanish. Is it really? Yeah. Oh. There you go. So we were smarter than we knew. You know, those who know me know that the reason I didn't graduate from college in five years, which still would have been a year over, it took me 10 years to graduate, is because I was one Spanish class shy for five of them, and I refused to take it because I'd taken it five times and failed it five times, and I was like, I just don't care anymore. So at least we all know I can say once. Oh, right on, dude. And mi dragón es muy rápido. <laughs> Wouldn't that? Yeah, go on. <laughs> Which I don't know why that's the one line that we remember. Like, I still remember this one day in class. You had to go around and, and you had to say uh, that your animal was very fast and you can come up with any animal you want. And so for me, maybe you didn't have to say it was fast. You had to like say your animal was doing something or is something or I don't remember exactly, but I just remember when it came around to me, I'm like, mi dragón es muy rapido. <laughs> and everyone lost it. Oh, it's funny, man. <laughs> I don't know what that's got to do oh, with church planning, but nothing. hey, there you go. Except we are church planning in a, uh, a, you know, heavily Hispanic area, so. Yeah, well, you know, I, I always knew my Vietnamese would come in uh, handy, and this was its moment to shine, but uh, dude, that dragon thing is funny as heck. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, and I had a, something clever to say. You know, it, obviously we don't script these, and uh, we do have a direction that we're going today. But, um, anyways, uh, thanks for joining us for the uh, Church Planner Podcast. We've been promising you for a few weeks that we are going to um, just jump in like a church planning one hundred and one, church planning for knuckleheads, um, something that. Uh, is kind of like the step by step. A lot of times, the church planners, uh, what I get, even from guys who read Church Zero, ching, uh, they <laughs> available on Kim- on Kindle and Amazon, iBooks. ITunes, actually, all actually, it. Pete, more to come on that. But 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 actually, 
um, a lot of people say to me, you know, uh, like, what do I do? You know, I don't know what to do next. And so there's a, a almost a need for like a manual or, you know. Which, by the way, I would just like to interject that if you're planning on going to Exponential West in October, uh, a certain somebody by the name of Peyton Jones is going to be heading up one of the breakout sessions. Yeah, so, yeah, I got a workshop. It's on the uh, nuts and bolts of church planning. Um, you could be so close, you get spray from Peyton. Dude, I mean, the that's... Shamu Splash Zone. There's like blue seats <laughs> and regular color seats, and I will spit on you if you sit in the blue seats, I promise. You know, if I had a really bad lisp and I was a public speaker, I think I would do that. I think I would have people come into the audience and be like, all right, you're in the blue seats. You're... Dude, Pete, we could, we could seriously sell uh, plastic ponchos at the door. And all funds raised go to uh, church planning. Uh, to Long Beach specifically. Absolutely. So, so here's, here's what we, we, we've kind of promised, is that we're going to walk you through in, 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 in the upcoming weeks to months, depending on how long it takes, to just talk about church planning. I mean, obviously, uh, what we say is that, you know, church planning is like jumping out of an airplane. Um, you know, you, nobody, nobody really knows what's going to happen. I mean, your chute could get tied up. You, you know, you could bounce off the, the back of the airplane or, you know, whatever stuff just happens when you're jumping out of an airplane. And so it's always risky. It's always freaky. The wind could be, you know, there's all kinds of conditions, but you have your training. You have these principles that you can operate by. And so what we do is we, we, you know, a new breed, we've from day one used that analogy of jumping out of an airplane that, uh, the only thing you want to know is a guy standing across from you has jumped before and lived to tell the tale. And, but still, it's kind of risky. I mean, there's people that, uh, don't like to jump out of airplanes. I, I, I don't know why I'd fling myself out of an airplane, but I'll church plant in a heartbeat. And there's other people out there going, man, I'd find it easier to jump out of an airplane. But they're the same idea, you know. Church planning is like the adrenaline junkie sport of of, of Christianity. It's the extreme sport of ministry. Uh, you can be a pastor, you can be a teacher, but uh, church planning is going to be. It's going to have a huge risk factor, and so there's a lot of unknown variables. The only thing that you cannot control is uh, the wind and gravity. You know, you're going to hurtle down to the ground and you need the wind to catch you. You need, and, and in church planning, that's the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to turn up, open your parachute up for you. And uh, a lot of church plants fail. And so we can't make your church plant a success. And there are guys out there trying to sell you things that will tell you, well, look, if you buy my book or you buy this or you buy my kit, um, you will succeed and you'll fill the room full and you'll this and that. And it's, you know, it's like the traveling potion salesman. You know, I've got the magic cure-all uh, for church planning. Well, you know, if there and was I, such... I would actually throw in there that it's not it's not worded that way usually. It's not worded like, if you buy my course, you're not going to fail. Because marketers are much better <laughs> than yeah. that. Yeah. And that's the reason why most of the time I don't think people notice it. Except for guys like me who are marketers. And then we start looking around at everything and we see it everywhere. But it, it'll be things like, you know, here's how to launch your church with 150 people on the first weekend. Absolutely. And, and the so fact the implication is, is you're not going to fail, you know, but it's not said as blatantly as that. What they never tell you is on lunch day, you'll have a packed room and on the following week, you won't see half of those people ever again. <laughs> Uh, most of those people you won't see ever again. And then they'll come out with something, how to keep, you know, the, the other 50%. And then I saw one that was, um, a guy you had actually met and told me to check out his website. And it was a uh, report on how to increase your baptisms by 30%. And I got to yeah. tell you, I thought that title was really interesting. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because, um, I think at the time we were looking at, at offering it, it, it was kind of like, Hey Pete, check this dude out, you know, cause I always know that you've got, you see that stuff. And I think you and I had kind of sussed out what his marketing uh, strategy was. And you, you right away went, Oh, I know exactly what he's doing. It's sad to me that there are guys who are marketing, um, trying to make a buck off of church planners who don't have money. That just, that kills me. And, uh, you know, but by church zero, you know, by church zero, because that actually <laughs> is a book that, uh, you know, you can give your family for Christmas and, um, even your dog would appreciate a copy of that. Um, your, your four year old, 
um, you know, your grandparents, they'd all love it. But anyways, but you know, if, if there was a magical cure-all, like what we're saying about church planning, um, it would have been in the book of Acts. In fact, there is something called the book of Acts in the Bible, and it gives you uh, most of the principles that, that we're going to talk about, but there will be just some time-tested ministry principles. Before we get into that, um, just a couple of things uh, that we want to announce. Number one, Pete, tell us about the new magazine coming out. Uh, you know, we just had it come out yesterday. Yeah, um, the podcast usually comes out on Monday, so it's going to have been out for, you know, three or four days by the time people are able to listen to the uh, the podcast here. But um Again, we've got right now we've got Living Bread Ministries who's sponsoring the um the magazine right now. So you're able to subscribe and you're able to get a subscription uh through the end of the year if you haven't already done so um on their dime basically. They're paying for it. But it's really it's I mean it just keeps getting better and better the uh the magazine. So yeah, and and actually uh Patrick from Living Bread wrote the uh cover article which is about sex trafficking and church planning. This is one that uh, really, uh, for me, I was so excited when he first said that that he was going to be moving uh, into Thailand. They've been working with the urban poor in Brazil, uh, but he's going to be uh, going over to Thailand, uh, where my wife actually was a missionary, um, you know, years and years ago, working with the orphanages that rescue kids out of prostitution. I just dug on that. And we also had an article. You know, from, which by the way, I, I just want to point out, it's amazing how much sex trafficking and human slavery goes on in the United States. Like it's massive. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And one one of the major Amer- ports uh, out of is, is up in Oregon. Um, Portland, Oregon is a, is a major oh, is it really? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's sex slaves in Orange County. Um, yep. You know, pe- yep. people don't think about this, but you know, it's funny because um, uh, what I was going to say is that um, a, a complimentary article in the magazine is one by Bob Goff, which is called um, "Pick Up, Just Pick a Fight. And he just basically says every Christian ought to have something in the world that he picks a fight with, some cause or um, something, you know, obviously in, in the New Testament, uh, it's famine relief in the book of Acts. You know, famine comes in chapter 11 of the book of Acts. And for the rest of Paul's ministry, he is collecting for the poor. And so uh, Paul picked a fight on poverty. Galatians 2.10, the, the apostle said to me, only do not uh, forget the poor, the very thing which I was eager to do. Um, so, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, uh, if you haven't picked a fight with anything in the world, it, it's probably time you do. So grab that magazine. Um, the other thing is Bookshout. Uh, there's a, a very cool uh, app you can download for your iPad or iPhone called Bookshout. It's a way to join a reading group. We talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, the the good news is you can download Church Zero for free on it. So if you're a cheapskate uh, and you want it for free, uh, you can get it that way. Cha-ching. That's that's Not a sad really. dollar sound. So <laughs> that means that means that. But hey, I'd rather have you guys have this book, get as many people as you can reading it. Um, it's only good for the next month, but you can download it's fourteen ninety nine on the website in the app. But you can uh, get it for free for the next month. And then what happens is we join a reading group and we talk through it together. So somebody puts a a note on there and says, Hey, what do you think about this? And blah, 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 blah. So go to uh, Bookshout, download the app, then, um, you know, find out how to get the book for free. Just type in search church zero. You'll see, uh, you know, you can click on it, get it for free. You'll automatically be uh, joined to the reading circle, which is like a, a book a book club or a reading group, and then we can comment back and forth together on uh, things. So it's a radical book. It's revolutionary, and you'll definitely, uh, it'll make you think. So the other thing, Pete, tell us about the special uh, edition, uh, Taking No Man's Land. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Well, we released that maybe a week or so ago, but it is um, essentially... It's an ebook that we we made available called Taking No Man's Land. And um you put together most of the information in it, not all of it. I know you had a, a couple people contribute basically chapters to it, but it's essentially a uh, a primer on um church planning. So that's available for free inside the uh the app, the church planner magazine app. Yeah. 
Okay, so enough commercials for now. Unless you're local to Southern California on September 19th, uh, starting a course called Church Planning for Knuckleheads. The emphasis is on evangelism. Uh, we had Don Overstreet from the Southern Baptist, uh, Don the Baptist. He was on uh, Church Planner Magazine, our very first interview. And uh, he has mentored over 500 church planters and has been doing so for 46 years. Um, guy has a lot of experience. The first thing that he says is pray. The second thing he says is evangelize. So um, that's a really important point. Um, if you want to learn how to uh, evangelize, that's going to be at 7800 Edinger. It's Refuge Huntington Beach. Uh, my Sending Church, Church Planning for Knuckleheads, going to be 430 to 6.30 p.m. starting September 19th. People ask, how much does it cost? Well, hopefully you're getting to know us by now. Um, it's free. Uh, we want you to be trained, and we want to see the kingdom of God uh, go forward. If you want to donate, you can donate to New Breed. Um, anything you donate there goes back towards uh, training of church planners, so we can do this stuff for free. So um, if you want to give back, there you go, New Breed. Uh, cp.org and you can hit the donate button or give to new breed and we'd appreciate that but otherwise it is free love to see you there that's 4 30 to 6 30 p.m one week will be theoretical and the next week will be practical and it will alternate like that for a total of eight weeks hmm. nice yeah all right so on to the topic at hand Okay, without any further ado, let's talk about, you know, what do I do? Starting just from ground zero, how do I know that I am a church planner? So that's the first thing you got to sort out is your calling. The Bible says make your calling an election sure uh, when it comes to salvation. Uh, but what about my calling to ministry? Those are two different things. If you remember, uh, Peter the Apostle had already been um, restored. Uh, there's a point in which Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 mentions after the resurrection that Jesus appeared to Peter on his own. Um, then later he appears to, to the disciples on the beach together. And of course, that is Peter's restoration to ministry. So Jesus confirms his calling. Um, and, and that's really important to know. A lot of people never read between the lines in 1 Corinthians 15 and realize that Peter had a private uh, interaction with Jesus where um, he was he was cool. They were cool together, but that didn't mean he was still called to 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 be in the ministry. And so that whole you know, do you love me, Peter? And Peter gets hurt the third time, and he says, "Hey, feed my lambs." He's recommissioning him. He's calling him. He's and and I I would say that every church planner needs to know that he's called. And we talked about how to know when you're quit. I mean, we 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 you know how to how to know when to quit. Your church plant. Um, we we came to this um, towards the end that uh, Lloyd Jones had once said. You know, you need to know that you're called uh, because uh, sometimes that's all you can uh, rely on is the fact that you were called. So, how do you know that you're called to church plant? Well, um, that's the, the question at hand. <laughs> it is the question at hand. Well, um, first off, you have to know, are you called to the ministry? And what constitutes a call to ministry? Um, number one, uh, Spurgeon said that there's only really two things that you need. Number one, you need to love God. And number two, you need to love people. Um, the Apostle Paul gives the idea of calling, um, as we understand it, that there's a special call in each individual um, Paul talks about that I was an apostle set apart from the womb or set apart from the foundation of the world. I mean, Paul kind of says, hey, you know, this wasn't just something put on me. Um, I was I was predestined to this ministry. This was something that God, when he created the fabric of the universe, hardwired in. And, and so I think, you know, for each one of us, every Christian ought to have a sense of calling. You ought to have a sense of mission. That's part of the problem with the church. But what about the church plant? Well, um, first off. Wait, wait. Go, go back real quick. When you say every Christian needs to have a sense of calling, a, a sense of missions, do you mean just like in a, a general, Yeah, you know, I want to share the yeah. news of Jesus? Or? Yeah, every, every Christian. Let's put it this way. The Holy Spirit comes into your life. You have the Holy Spirit. You automatically have a spiritual gift. 
So, you know, that, that automatically begs a question, well, you know, God, God wants to use me for something, doesn't he? Um, if, if he's equipped me and put a spiritual gift in me, he's obviously got a mission for me. There's something I'm meant to do with that gift. And I would say that many Christians, um, have just given into this whole idea that, um, you go to church and the whole purpose for being here is to be like Jesus and to, um, be really, really holy and good before you die, to get really, really good. Um, to be like Jesus means to be on mission. Um, what was Jesus? He was a missionary. Um, he, he, he was here, you know, uh, for this reason I have come, you know, he says to, when he talks about preaching and, um, he was, he was there to lay his life down. You know, every believer ought to be on mission with God. We're, we're literally called to take over a work and finish it. He got, gathered all the disciples and that was 500 people. Um, he gathers them together and says to him, go to the ends of the earth. And, and, and until we've done that, that mission's ongoing. Every believer is a part of that. So, um, how nice would it have been if all we had to do was just be good? <laughs> yeah. As, as you're saying, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. Like, cause the mission stuff, that's the, that, that's the hard part. Well, you know, and that's the part, you know, I mean, how boring really to, to not be on mission. I mean, you know, Pete, you know, you've, you've talked about just that sense of adventure. I mean, we wouldn't be here doing this podcast if, if you hadn't joined this, this crazy little church plant in Long Beach because it sparks something. Something's come alive in you. Um, you're a PK, but suddenly you got on mission and, 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 and everything radically changed for you. Yeah. No, I completely agree. But, you know, I'm just I'm thinking back about, you know, what you just said. And and it's it's interesting to me because um, I know this is kind of off topic, but I'm going to bring it up anyway, because that's the way we roll. Um, <laughs> I was telling you that I was watching a, a, a documentary on Netflix earlier this week. Actually, I watched two of them. Um, one of them was called Hellbound, and it was uh, basically a documentary looking at the three major beliefs on hell in uh, the Christian circles. Uh, and, and you can debate whether or not you think someone's Christian. If they believe like some believe that there is no hell, that everybody's going to be saved. And one of the comments I had to you afterwards was if there's no hell, then there's, there's no point of doing anything like there, there's no point in trying to be good. There's no point in, um, being on mission at all. Like, why would you suffer? There's no hell, right? Yeah. No one's going to go to hell. Why, why should I worry about, you know, this tribe over here in the middle of Ecuador? Why should I, you know, worry about inner city Long Beach? You know, why should I worry about all these gangbangers who are getting shot and killed? I mean, they're all going to heaven anyway. So like it does, like to me, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, you and I had this talk and one of the things I brought up, uh, in regards to Mormonism and, and one of the problems, cause I've worked with a lot of Mormons and, and this one guy, you know, I'm like, why are you guys so into baptizing the dead? You know, that's one of the reasons they're into, um, ancestry and genealogy and things like that, because, you know, they've got to baptize the dead to make sure that they get into heaven. Cause if they don't yeah. baptize them, they don't get into heaven. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause first of all, don't I have a right to reject God? And you're basically taking away my right to reject God by forcing me into heaven. But secondly, why don't I just work out a deal with my buddy that whoever is the first one to die, the other one will make sure that you know we get baptized, and then I can just go about living my life any way I want. And yeah. to me, that's that's the same problem with this idea of that that some Christians hold to that oh there is no hell, you know everybody's going to be saved, everybody's going to go to heaven because. I mean, one guy in the documentary even said, you know, you get one final chance after you die to, you know, turn or burn, basically. Yeah. And um, and what was interesting to me is they had an atheist at the very beginning, and he was like, look, it doesn't make any sense that there's no hell if you believe in a God. <laughs> He's like, otherwise, what's the point? And it was so funny as I'm walking the do documentary because I'm thinking even the atheist understands the logic better than you know a lot of these these other guys but um i i don't remember why i got off on that that little <laughs> well, tangent but i did well it, you know it, it, here's the deal you know you um 
you start off, you know, like you said, hell. I mean, shoot, if if hell isn't enough to um, to make you want to do something for people, then you've got real problems. Um, I, hell's under a lot of attack right now, but let, let's face it: if hell isn't a, a really a, a reality or a problem, then pff, stuff it, man. Let's all go home. Who cares? You know what I mean? Um, but if hell's real, then you know you've got an obligation to be there for the people around you. I mean, um, it, it would be absolutely wrong, like Jesus said, to to be forgiven your sin by Christ and then not want the people around you to be forgiven. He tells that parable. Obviously, it's it's us forgiving others, but you can stretch out a little bit further and say, well, you know, I've been forgiven this great debt. Shouldn't I want other people to be set free as well? And so that's just a natural um uh, inclination in, in a Christian. Um, we become ambassadors having received reconciliation. Paul says in second Corinthians five, we have become ministers of reconciliation. Uh, we are ambassadors of Christ. Therefore, uh, it is as if Christ is in us beckoning the world be reconciled to God. Um, to, to, to quote it. Uh, that's in each of us. There, there ought to be that desire for ministry in everybody. If there's not, then there's something wrong with you as a Christian, you know, and, and some of you are like, hey man, I could have told you a long time ago there's something wrong with me, but that ought to concern you that that's not there. Um, but, but I think the, 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 the number one thing, you know, Charles Spurgeon said this, and we're talking about how do you know your church planning or a church planner? Um, how do you know that you're actually called to it? Well, uh, the first thing Charles Spurgeon used to say, if you can do anything else, do it. If you could be a grocery clerk, if you can this and that, I don't want to start off saying, you know, well, I disagree with Spurgeon because, Quite frankly, you know, outside of Wesley <laughs> and Paul, you know, he, he was probably one of the, uh, the most switched on most. I mean, you know, I couldn't even, not even worthy to untie Charles Spurgeon's, you know, uh, bootstraps, man. But, uh, but here's the reality. I, I'm not sure that I entirely agree with it. I get what he's saying and we'll come back to it, but, you know, the reason why for me, like, I could do something else. Like, I don't have to have the position of minister. I don't have to be a full-time pastor. And probably because I have a more apostolic calling, I've always felt like, dude, I could, I could, I remember driving down the road and seeing the guy flipping the pizza sign from uh, Little Caesars thinking, man, that'd be an awesome job. If, if they would just pay me well, man, I'd do that for the rest of my life. You kidding? Dancing out on the street, flipping a pizza sign, listening to music. I dig on that, waving at cars and pointing at people like you're on a, a disco platform. You were going to pay me to do that? That'd be awesome. But, um, but here's the deal. You cannot switch ministry on and off. It's either something that's coming from the core of your being or it's not. You don't flick it on and on, like on and off like a light switch. That's why when I told God I quit, um, pastoral ministry, I just planted a church in Starbucks because no matter where you put me, I'm going to minister. I mean, I, I got into ministry through the back door. Um, basically, uh, the guy that was my mentor, his wife got really ill and, um, he took a break and, uh, I slotted in. I was keeping the seat warm. And his wife didn't get better for about 16 years. So that didn't quite work out the way that we all thought. But, hmm. um, but the reality is I always tell people I got into the back door, but at that time I was in nursing school, uh, training to become a nurse so I could go into AIDS hospices and minister to homosexuals and tell them about the love of Christ. Hmm. And so, you know, uh, no matter what you're going Seriously, to. Seriously, that's the reason why you did that? I, that's I didn't actually hear why. That before. Yeah, that's why I'm an RN. That's actually because I was mentored and discipled by a celibate gay Christian. And, uh, really? you know, he, yes, I was absolutely. Wow. I was, I was led to Christ by another guy, but this guy actually, he, he was, uh, you know, I didn't know at first, you know, he's just a cool guy, you know, a little bit older, uh, in his twenties, he's a real estate agent and he had a heart for the youth. And, um, you know, but that was a part of it. He shared with me later. Hey, you know, I, sh- you know, I should tell you this. Boom and boom. And, um, but you know, I, I really, I remember just feeling like the church had that wrong. So I went, uh, their, their attitude towards gay people. There's a lot of gay bashing at that time. There's a lot of, it still um, is jokes, I mean, you know, being told from the pulpit. And I remember thinking, 
these are the lepers. Um, the guy I was just talking about who I filled in his shoes, he took mm-hmm. us out witnessing down Garden Grove Boulevard and Beach in, uh, you know, Westminster. And of course, if you've been down there, that's like, that's like a gay paradiso in, in Orange County, um, all the gay bars. And we just, he'd be like, Hey, let's go Christmas caroling. And there'd be like these guys that picket signs, you know, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And, uh, you know, and, and I don't, I'll never forget, you know, uh, my mentor, his name was Dan. Um, he just stands out there and goes, first thing we want you guys to know. And he points at all the guys picketing. We're not with them. I just remember thinking, man, that was gutsy. And all the guys at pickets were, you know, they looked over all mad and judgmental. And he just said, we just want to tell you guys God loves you and um, just sing to you. And, you know, so that's what happened. So he started singing. And all these get this gay bar. I'll never forget this transformed me. I was like 16, 17 years old. They all started pouring out of this gay bar, man. And they all just started weeping. They're just standing there weeping out on the boulevard. And I just remember thinking, this is where Jesus, Jesus would be in that bar. He'd be hanging out with these guys. And, you know, the Lord is working in the hearts of these guys. They just, they're like Matthew, the tax collector. They're like, I'm too far gone. I'm this. And I, and one guy came up and he just put his hand on uh, my mentor's shoulder and just said, Hey, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for doing this tonight. Um, you've, you've really, you've really, connected with with me and i just want you to know you're doing a good thing and and that dude didn't like pour out in front of all his gay friends what was going on in his heart but i remember thinking i'm gonna go do that so so the way that i ended up in in ministry the call i had was supernatural i think at some point you kind of you get this tapping on the shoulder kind of like jeremiah did well lord i can't do it you know i i'm I'm a child i can't speak moses i have a lisp you know all of them had this time where god comes and taps them and if you haven't really had a tapping experience um you probably need one even though i say that i got there through the back door i was working security at a at a flea market um that was my part-time job when I was in nursing school. And I can remember eating lunch and I, I, I was reading the Bible. I'd read it through a year and I cracked it open. And John, uh, Joshua one was my reading for that day. So I opened it up and it was Joshua one nine. And, uh, I love that passage. That's a passage God called me into ministry with. Sometimes you read in the scripture and the Holy Spirit's just like amplifying it, right? And you, you're like, wow, I don't know why that's speaking to me so much. You may not even have it all figured out. But where it says, hey, Moses, my servant, is dead. Um, therefore, be strong. Be courageous. Be careful to do everything that I have commanded you out of the book of the law. And I will be with you. Just as no one could stand against Moses, so no one will be able to stand uh, before your face. And everywhere you tread... Uh, that will be uh, yours. And then he says, only be strong and courageous and be careful. You know, he repeats it. I remember just sitting there going, huh. And I felt God calling me through that passage. Kind of like, here's Joshua going, dude, I ain't ready for this. Well, so I'm sitting there and I'm praying. I remember sitting like in the grassy area over where this flea market was. And I'm praying and I'm like, Lord, you know, this is, uh, this is really cool. And, um, I don't know what this means. Um, I got home and that evening I get a call from my pastor and he goes, Hey, Peyton, I, uh, I got a position for you. Um, Dan's wife is sick, needs someone to fill in for the next few months. Um, you got 24 hours to give me a yes or no. Boom. That was it, man. So I had been supernaturally called. I think at some point, uh, you, you need to have God tap you. Like I said, he tapped Isaiah. Who will go for us? You know, um, and, and Isaiah says, here am I, send me. So I think first there, there's this compulsion. There's this desire to reach people. It's deep within you. And then you feel God going, you ready to do this? Like with Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You know, there's this personal invitation. I, I, I wish guys, I wish. Uh, you know, I can make it easier for you. But what people always want to know is how do I boil it down to a formula? Guys, we worship a supernatural God. I'm not going to take the supernatural element out of this for you because that's what it is. And that's what you need. You actually need a supernatural calling to a supernatural ministry, if that makes sense. 
It does. It um, it, it definitely does. But I mean, how, how do you how do you know when you've got the supernatural calling? I mean, you know, is it the you know I'm reading a passage and all of a sudden it stands out to me? Does that make sense? I, what I'm asking. Yeah, it, it does. I mean, well, that's how it worked for me. And I mean, you know, like I say, you can read Jeremiah's calling, Isaiah's calling, Moses's calling, Joshua's calling, Peter's calling, Matthew's calling. You know, Matthew's just doing his thing, and Jesus goes, "You follow me." Peter and John and and those guys. Hey, you know, you've caught the fish. I'm going to make you fishers of men now. You know, um, at some point, like I said, it usually starts with a desire. That's why when when Spurgeon was like, "Hey, if you could do something else, do it," I'm thinking I could flip a pizza sign. I don't know if that's true, but if I'm flipping a pizza sign, you can guarantee I'm going to be doing ministry. I can't help but do ministry. Um, like the apostle said, we can't help but uh, speak about the things that we've seen and heard. Um, Paul said, woe unto me. Isn't a part of that also the evangelist in you? I yeah, mean, it's just, yeah. you've got that evangelism bent. Well, that and, and that's the apostolic. You see, the apostolic calling, um, where does Paul in his first couple missionary journeys, not his third one, and his third one he's supported um, as he kind of progresses. But at first he's working with his hands. He's a tent maker. Um, he, he's he's going into these places pioneering, and he's out in the marketplace. So I, I think an apostolic calling and a church planter, guys get it wrong when they're like, well, I'll church plant when I'm fully supported. Guys, it's not going to happen unless you got Daddy Warbucks, you know, saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to fund little orphan Annie in your church plant. Um, those things don't tend to happen. That's, that's normally you go out there and you work another job and you, you're bivocational. Um, but, but it starts with a desire. And yes, um, God can call you different ways. But I, I think at times, you know, it was confirmed, uh, at least in my life by my pastor calling me, confirmed objectively what God had already said to me subjectively. But I was already heading into ministry. It just wasn't full-time paid on staff at a church. It was going to be as an RN, and I was going to be ministering. So um, I guess the first question— Let me ask you this. What about, you know, do do you first need to experience, or not not need to, but would you say that some people need to— get their feet wet, so to speak, in, yeah, in ministry that, that's before was, necessarily yeah. planting a church, you know? Absol- oh, yeah, most definitely. Well, that that's what I was about to say, is that the first question is, are you already ministering, you know, before you say, oh, I have this call, you know? Um, it would be really weird, right, to have, you know, the government suddenly call me up and say, hey, uh, we've got this top secret project. It involves, you know, quantum physics and nuclear power and on and on and Peyton, you know, this is the head of state. We need you. Countries depending upon you. Um, that would be really weird if I never had any experience in quantum physics or quantum mechanics or nuclear power or was not a, a nuclear scientist. That would be strange, you know. However, if I had been pursuing all these things and doing all these things, it, it would make sense that I get tapped by the government. And I think with the Lord, like I said, it starts with a desire. You're, you're out there doing stuff already. You're sharing the gospel. You're, 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 you're supporting a work. You're getting involved with your, your local church. And then boom, you know, you get called into ministry. And I think one of the requirements of that is, um, when you go from ministry, um, just like any Christian to actually know I'm, I'm being set apart is that, and, and this is what I'm going to say. Um, there is a setting apart for ministry. There is a point at which, uh, the disciples left their nets. Matthew left his tax collector booth. And there's a point at which you just go, you know what? Come what may, I'm doing this. And I don't care if I'm poor. I have to go do this. You know, we think a lot about, um, you know, our own support and our money and this and that. And I think about that. I mean, I, I got bills. I got to pay them, but I make good money as an RN. I mean, right now, if I went to, to becoming an RN, I would make more money than what I make as a minister. 
Um, however, if I went to a, to become a minister of an established church, I'd make make way more money than I do as a nurse. <laughs> so, so with what I'm saying is the type of ministry I do keeps me poor. But then you read the apostles; they were poor. You read about Paul; they were Paul was poor. Um, so you know, um, times he was hungry and naked and it just comes with the territory. And I think if you're called to this, um, like Jesus said, you know, he talked about it with our salvation, count the cost. He says, no one goes to war or builds a house unless he's got the materials or he's sure he can pay the cost. And so the first thing you need to know is, are you ready to leave your nets? Are you ready to leave security? Are you ready to Take a vow of poverty, man, because money ain't going to flow like it did, maybe. In- but see, you know, here's the thing, too, as I think about that, that concept of, you know, they were, they were poor, and at times they were hungry. Um, they were imprisoned. They were, you know, they, they went through a lot of bad stuff. We could just sum it up as that. You know, that's the, the easy, nice way to put it. It was a lot of yeah. bad stuff. But they were guys that understood the game that they were in. And yeah. I don't mean game like, you know, um, like it's not real, but you know, like the battle, maybe that's a better way to put it because, you know, I think back a couple of buddies of mine, I've shared this with you um, before. A couple of buddies of mine uh, were Navy SEALs and they like, when you go through the whole uh, buds training is, is what it's called to become a Navy SEAL. Every time I've heard their stories, it's miserable, the training that they go through. They're hungry, they're tired, they're cold, and it's miserable. But see, they go through it because they know that once they come out on the other side, it's where they want to be. Yeah. And I kind of look at this is, you know, the, the difference is obviously Navy SEAL training is like, I don't know, six or nine months, something like that, as opposed to, you know, maybe 70 years. Yeah, whatever, however long your life is from the time you're saved to the, to the time you die. But they understand that that's the game that they're in, that they're going through the, the hardship now because of where they're going to be at the end of that. And they, they just fully, they fully grasp and fully get that concept. And that's for us so hard for us to get and to keep remembering that because. You know, it's so easy to look around and you see, like in your case, you could see other RNs and you can see how uh, much more money you could be making. And making more money just makes life easier. You know, one of the things that that we always say in business and in marketing, because people are always like, oh, money's not everything. Yeah, but you know what? Money fixes a lot of problems that not having money creates. Yep, absolutely. And this this is what I'm saying is um, keep your day job. If you're going to church plant, keep your day job. Don't leave your nets just yet. So what I'm saying is, are you willing to go and make the sacrifices? So pay does not come into it is what I'm trying to say. You don't go into it because you say, oh, ministry can pay me. If you're called the church plant, most likely um, you're not going to uh, be ready uh, and, and here's, you know, you're, you're not going to be ready to leave your, your full-time job for qu- probably a couple years. Um, there are guys like one of the guys that, uh, I trained at, um, fit for the field two years ago. Um, he was supportive from like day one, you know, um, he launched his church and boom, he was able to leave his job in the first month, you know, but of course he did plant in Palm Springs, you know, and it's a, it's a, a very affluent area. I mean, in inner city Long Beach, um, people don't have money <laughs> in the inner city, you know, right. um, 10% of their income is like, you know, laughable if they even have an income. A lot of people are on the dole. Those are the people I want to meet. Those are the people I want to reach. Those are the people I want in my church because no one's gunning for them because ministers often go to places that can sustain them financially. Um, so they plan a church in an affluent area and that's just not, um, where it's at for me. I am passionate about planting amongst uh, people that are poor and needy and downcast. So, and you know, one of the interesting things too that I that this kind of reminds me of is um, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> I've been reading uh, uh, How to Knock Over a Seven Eleven by uh, Michael Cheshire. Ching! <laughs> Every time his name is said, an angel gets his wings. Michael Cheshire. 
But one of the things that I thought was really interesting in his book is he talks about all the different strategies that they use to make money because him and his core team, they needed money like everybody else. Sure. And instead of just being reliant on donation and, okay, now we got, you know, 20 people at church this week. Let's see how big the offering was. It was like, look, we're going to basically make tents to use that uh, analogy while we're building up this, this church thing. And even to this day, you know, they've got what would be considered a mega church. Um, somewhere between 800 and 1200 people, I think it might be more than that. I know that's what their tent that they just bought, uh, can hold up to, I think it's 1200 people. Um, but they've got other businesses that support themselves, uh, they've got, you know, a diner, they've got a marketing company, they've got a publishing company, they've got other businesses that support them. And um, I just think that's a really interesting concept. I mean, I told you this via text as I was reading his book. I'm like, man, there's so many ideas in here that we could swipe and apply to Long Beach. Because, um, you know, I look at our our leadership team in Long Beach and we're talking about a, a group of guys that, in my opinion, have just a huge heart for the community. Um, they just, you know, want to serve God. And for the most part, I would say that they're not entrepreneurial in nature. And, you know, running a business is a completely different thing than working a job. And in most, most businesses that we see... And I mean, we in, in the financial industry, um, it always starts out the same way. You've got a salesman who does so good at sales, they think, you know what, I can run my own business. And so they yeah. go into business. And ultimately, um, a good percentage of the time, like around 95% of the time, they fail yeah. because they don't understand the complexities of running a business. All they knew is, you know, I'm really good at sales. I should be able to to run a business as well. Yeah. And it, it, it's a totally different skill set, totally different skill set yeah. uh, to run a business than it is to, uh, you know, to work for a business. Um, but I think uh, I think in a, you know, a bivocational way, in fact, one of our future podcasts, we need to be on bivocational and, you know, different strategies well, that people can implement. Pr- probably next week will be the one where we talk about how do you fund a church plan, because um, that that's one of the the key things that you do in the very beginning is you start working towards that. And so we're going to go back to the calling. This does, I mean, they're tied in, you know, um, even to the point where last week I was questioning uh, my calling because obviously to, to train church planners for free, um, I had a conversation. I said to Andrea, you know, I could go back to nursing. I could make a lot of money. Um, but I said, you know, I was really having a quandary because I said, you know, I call my wife Jones a lot. I said, Jones, I, I feel called to this, you know, and, uh, uh, but obviously if there's not the, um, the confirmation, I've got a brand new baby. I've got to pay my bills. Um, maybe there's something else I need to be doing. And, uh, and it was just teasing it out, talking it through. Um, and, and coupled with that was a, a real prayer, you know, Lord, you're God. And you call me and you provide, like Chuck Smith used to say, where God guides, he provides. And so I said, if you want me to do this, well, next morning I was up at like four something with the baby, I get a call and, you know, they say, Hey, you teach these online courses. Hey, we're, we've got a partnership program coming. You'll have this many students. Boom. Um, my page just went up every month. Then, uh, the next day I, I, I get a, uh, a call from, uh, I can't say it at the moment because we're still working it out, but a, a major church planning network that said, Hey, will you develop our, our online education for church planning? And we'll pay you, you know, cha-ching. Then the next day, someone from the Southern Baptist approached me and said, Hey, will, uh, will you, um, train church planners? Uh, they actually offered me a full-time job to mentor church planners. And I, I said, well, I can't do that right now because I, I can't move. From where I'm at, I'm yeah, I was going to say the the deal breaker for you is where they want you to do it, <laughs> which like, is somewhere that doesn't interest lo- me. <laughs> yeah, I will. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one they they offered three locations. One of them was Orange County, and I just said, hey, I I can't, uh, I I just can't go and 
encourage guys to plant amongst rich people. Someone else needs to do that because I hate Orange County. I'll plunder Orange County, you know, like Robin Hood to, to, to go plant in the surrounding counties, you know, take from the rich, give to the poor. But, uh, but, but, you know, I couldn't move. I'm, I'm obligated to stay where I'm at right now. And, uh, but they said, well, hey, would you be interested in, um, training, uh, guys, uh, out of here as a hub? And we will fund you. So God blew the doors off. And, and so your calling does tie in to the finances, but there's still, and I'll still maintain that through that, there is this willingness to accept hardship. Um, and, and your calling takes priority over any hardship. And how can you read the gospels or, or, or the epistles or the book of Acts and think any differently? How can you read the Old Testament with the prophets as they're getting sawn in two or, you know, Daniel and all the hardship and Joseph and any prophet you look at, you know, he had a calling and he had to do what he had to do. You know, Jeremiah says, you know, I'm going to shut up because this ain't worth the hardship. And he says, when I did, a fire grew in my bones. And so the question is, do you have this compulsion? Do you have this desire? And um, are you willing to accept hardship? Are you willing to sacrifice um, for it? You know, and it's what Spurgeon called an intense, all-absorbing uh, desire for the work, right? Um, he talks about a raging thirst, a craving to tell what God has done in our own souls. And that's that's important. But let me just shift gears for a second. And, uh, and, and say, you know, um, uh, before I do, um, let me just point out that, um, Paul says, how will someone preach them unless they're sent? So, you know, there's guys that say, oh, I don't believe that calling is, well, there is a sending. Have you been sent? You know, um, uh, someone must be sent. And Paul's talking to the Romans and he says, someone has to send you. And so have you been sent? As a messenger, you know, the, the letters to the seven churches, you, you got, you know, to the messenger of the church of such and such. Well, you appoint a messenger, right? You don't come up and say, Hey, I'm, I'm President Obama's messenger. President Obama appoints you as a messenger, as his messenger. Um, he appoints his, his, you know, press secretary. Uh, you know, you, you don't take that on yourself. So, um, there has to be a sending. There has to be an appointing. Um, and so anyways, moving on to that, uh, your wife, um, she is very much a part of this. Mm. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the other question, uh, is, is she called and how do you know she's called? I mean, what we've just been talking about is basically that your security tends to go out the window, um, when you do church planting and, so it's counterintuitive for a woman. I, I wrote a blog that I haven't published yet, but it was called, uh, dudes are impatient and chicks are scared. Every guy I talk to, he's chomping at the bit. He's, he's frustrated. He's impatient. He can't wait to get out there. And his wife's scared. And whenever I ask people, well, how's your wife doing with this whole church planning thing? They always say, well, she's scared. <laughs> always the same answer. Because it goes against her nature. It's counterintuitive to a well, woman you know, who's been wired for security by that's God. That's the exact same thing, though, that entrepreneurs go through. Of course. I mean, it's the exact same mindset. Like, I still remember having this conversation with Jamie when I was like, look, I'm quitting this job. This is, I don't know, 2099, whatever it was. Uh, must have been 2000 because we got married in 99. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm leaving this job in November, and I'm going to go full-time into financial planning. And there's no paycheck, right? I've talked about this before. Every day you wake up, you're unemployed. You got to go out there, find a client, sell them some stuff, and get paid. So go get some, yeah. And I mean, we had you know years that were horrible, and um, so I, I get that. I mean, that's the same type of um, situation that that entrepreneurs yeah. go through. Of course, yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, when your wives are scared, I mean, what do you, what do you do with that? Um, suck it up, the, buttercup. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what you tell her. <laughs> Absolutely. Those words are magic therapy and they will, they will put you in therapy, physical therapy, most likely, but, uh, maybe marriage therapy. But, um, but you know, the, the funny thing is, is that you, you have to remember if God's calling you, he will call her. 
So what a lot of guys do is they, they get all nerdy, you know, cause they're already impatient and frustrated with, you know, the lack of movement and they feel like they got to get out there. What a lot of guys do is they try to force and bully their wives. Uh, 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 big mistake guys. Don't do that. Right. Do not pressure your wife. And those times you take her by the hand, you sit down with her, you listen to her, you be, you know, the best husband, you become Mr. Wonderful. Remember that little doll? You could squeeze it and you go, you're beautiful, babe. You know, you become the world's best listener and you take her to prayer. You hear her, you take those concerns to heart. You say, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that is a concern to me because she needs to know that you're not an idiot. Right. When she's saying, Hey, I'm If you're like, no, 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 it's, it's, it's all going to be fine. She's going, Oh man, this guy's an idiot. You know, do I got to look out for this family? You just listen and you say, babe, I understand. Yeah. that. But you know what? If, if the Lord, let's not make any hasty decisions. If the Lord's in this, just learn to be patient. He who believes does not make haste. In other words, you're not in a hurry. God's God and he is going to work in her life and he'll work differently. You may have gotten this like, ding, this white, white hot call from God with her, you'll start seeing it's like a slow burn. She's watching you, and you're patient. You're accommodating for her uh, to be a little bit doubtful and a little bit unsure. And remember, um, like I said, a woman is wired for security. She's a homemaker. She wants to make a shelter to raise it. She's building a nest. And so what you're doing is you're like, well, hey, let's take some twigs away from here and let's, you know, let's maybe saw part of this branch off. That That's counterintuitive. So you just have to pray with her. And, you know, we have a, we'll talk about this in future doing quiet times uh, as a couple. Um, you big time get on the firing line when you church plant. This is all coming in future podcasts, but you will definitely need to start learning to um, spend quiet time with your wife, the two of you together. And this may be the part where you actually learn it. It was for me. Andrew and I uh, really kind of perfected, um, I, I can't say perfected, but I mean, really uh, quiet times, it's, it's a part of our everyday now. And it really got solidified through church planning. See, I try and have a quiet time with my son every day, but it's usually where I tell him to be quiet and give me some time. (laughs) It's awesome. You know, you've been having a lot of quiet times with me recently. (laughs) You know what's funny to me? And and this is totally off the subject, but you reminded me of it. You were talking with someone earlier this week who apparently listens to the podcast, and they're like, yeah, that Pete guy, I kind of like him because he doesn't sound like he belongs in ministry. And I'm yeah, like, man. I don't know if I should I be offended you. or take that as a huge compliment. <laughs> What's awesome, dude? What what I love about you, Pete, is you don't think you belong in ministry, and that that's what makes it fun. I don't think man. I'm don't... in ministry, so you know, I mean, dude, you know what? That, that's funny because I always feel like, dude, God, you got the wrong dude. Like, you know, somewhere you made a mistake, and you know, one day everyone will find out I'm the wrong dude. But until then, hey, I'm here and we're having fun, but. Man, I, I absolutely, you know, have always felt like that. I'm not very pastorly. I'm not very ministerial, but you know, it, you know, whatever it works. But here's the deal. Um, my wife wrote this, uh, by the way, if, if your wives need church planning encouragement, there's a blog. Um, it's called, uh, church planning is for girls.com. Um, we, we kind of realized uh, a couple years ago, uh, my wife was doing a, uh, we had her on the platform speaking at a conference for church planners and we, we separated the guys and the girls and the, uh, girls ended up going to the, to the session she taught and they just all said, no one talks to us, man. Like nobody, nobody talks to church planning wives. So if you need some encouragement for your wife, um, I remember when I was at Exponential, I was handing out these cards and I was saying, Hey man, you love your wife. And, uh, and they're like, uh, uh, and I'm like, show her, give her this card, you know, or I, I, I was, I, you know, it was like hundreds of people walking by and I'm like, Hey man, your wife called, says she needs encouragement. This is the answer. You know, <laughs> like I was just being the biggest jerk I could be just to get people to take them. And people are laughing, you know, cause I was saying just absolutely, you know, stupid things. But, 
Um, but it's a fact, man. Whenever the women would take it, they'd be like, hey, man. Well, anyway, she wrote this this uh, blog and um, one of the, the articles on there. She says, back in June, and this is a, a, a different conference, um, she said, this is one in America now. She said, I had the awesome opportunity of talking to a group of church planning wives. Kind of sounds like footballers' wives, and I suppose it is in a far-fetched parallel. They run around the world. They're men. All these women were being bounced around here, there, everywhere, and yet we're so excited to be used by God. Keep that in mind with your wife, right? She's got gifts too. They were such an encouraging group of gals. They were on a mission from God like the Blues Brothers, excited to go and grounding themselves in God's Word. Yet when the music stops, the conference is over, and you're out alone in a foreign country or just a foreign territory and on the front lines of church planning, the challenges begin. I love my wife, man. She's like me as a girl. The loneliness, if you ever wonder what I'm like as a girl, just talk to my wife. The loneliness, the free-falling, or maybe what Andrew is as a man. I'm sorry. The loneliness, the free-falling, rootless existence begins despite your spiritual support team, which is a must, by the way, if only to hear your screams as you fling yourself into no man's land. Whoops. Shut up, Siri. Goes on to say, First year of challenges for me look like this. Call me carnal or call me honest. I don't mind. But if your year look like mine, then perhaps we found community in the challenges faced by a church planner's wife in the first year. And then she writes, I think this is absolutely brilliant. She writes this like chronology, day one. And then it's like in quotes, oh God, did we do the right thing? Day two through 60. Oh God, are you sure we did the right thing? Day 61. God, our savings is almost gone. Day 62, God, our savings is gone. <laughs> Day 63, big bruising smack on the head through the word. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Yes, these challenges are from my own journal. These are entries I actually made. Three-month mark, Lord, how is this supposed to make ends meet? How many more jobs can we take? 16 weeks, Lord, what if the bad kids hurt my wonderful child? I don't want my kid to do drugs or learn the proper words for their sexual organs at age two, please. 17 weeks. Smack, smack. In the setbacks of your life as a believer, God is plotting for your joy. Thanks, John Piper. Oh, what a good quote, Lord, she writes in her journal. I'm so rubbish. I shouldn't be a church planner. I'm so selfish and self-seeking. I suck. And so there they are, the first three months of the birth of our baby church. Some, some of my challenges were a bit more spiritual in these, but I chose to enter these because they were the most embarrassing simply because they had nothing to do with the spiritual side of things. My hardest challenges are the ones which are the most carnal because they are a double-edged sword. They are my human fears and insecurities, and at the same time, they dig deep at the root which I am trying to plant as a church planter, a faithful, solid walk with Christ. These challenges um, Hide my vision of the Spirit of God working in me. If I feel unspiritual, well then, I say, what am I trying, what am I doing trying to do this? Lesson, keep coming back to it is Christ who strengthens me, not Andrea who makes it happen. So, you know, I mean, your wives are just going to be shaped and, you know, is molded as much as you are. And that's all, that's all important. And I, I would also encourage everyone to pick up the very first issue of church planner magazine. Cause that entire article is in there and you can uh, give that to your spouse and um, you know, let them, let them read from another woman. Yes. And what they're thinking inside the things we think, but do not say. Absolutely. That's how you become great, man. <laughs> People are like, what are they talking about? We're talking Jerry Maguire quotes right We're now. We're talking about a rated R movie, okay? I'm sorry. It's rated I'm R. I'm taking the goldfish. I actually have a blog called I'm Taking the Goldfish. That is a great... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're going to hit all this stuff coming up in the next few weeks. That's probably enough to chew on. Um, but look, pray. You know, constantly ask God. You're going to be asking him, like Andrea said. You're going to be asking, am I called to this, God? You know, over and over and over to get used to that. But you will come back to this calling again and again. Why else would you be doing this? Why plant a church when you hit yourself on the head with a hammer? Right, Pete? (laughs) (laughs) So, hey, thanks for uh, joining us today on the Church Planner Podcast. We hope that this has helped you to make your calling an election sure. If you still don't know, 
Don't worry. God has a way of making himself heard, and he will make himself known. One Hopefully it won't have to do with a fish swallowing you whole and spitting you up three <laughs> days later. That's how Jonah was called, wasn't it? It was part of his calling. Um, you know, don't try That's this That's how he made his call folks. known to Jonah. You don't get to run. Sorry. Well, you know, and, and here's what I would say, you know, kind of the old caution, don't try this at home. If you've never been in ministry, probably don't want to plan a church first off, right? Um, you can, and guys do. Uh, I mean, I could rattle off a bunch of guys. It's not normally advised. Um, it's kind of like never having run a race before and then deciding to um, run an Ironman competition or a marathon. And you don't even run. Um, start running, you know, start getting involved with the church plant. You can go to an established church and you can learn a bunch of great stuff in ministry there. But probably the best and definitely what we advise a new breed is we say, hey, have you ever been in ministry? No. Well, why don't you come to one of our hubs and serve uh, as a church planner, one of our hubs? That's just that's the way we do it, because, um, you know, uh, we go through people like crazy. People come to our church plan. They just they don't they don't hack it because it's hard, and it's it's you know it's not the Mark Driscoll like my church grew you know to twenty thousand people overnight. Um, you hear these success stories, and sometimes that's how it goes. But that's not usually. Um, that is less than one percent of church plants suddenly mushroom and explode overnight. Um, that doesn't normally happen. It is. Long and hard work. Paul's most of Paul's church plants. Um, he was there for a few months, set up eldership, and they had loads of problems. And uh, and 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 that's what church planning is, guys. That's the reality. So my advice to you is um, go serve with a church plant for at least six months to a year, and really decide: Am I called to this? That's part of you know what we were saying earlier. End up doing it. Are you doing it already? And go serve one. And uh, you'll have more of an idea and let God speak to you there. So thanks for joining us. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you that to reach the ones that nobody's reaching, you have to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. 